episode number 24, a special presentation of The Bellows, How to Get Hired in the Theater. All right, cut to edge of stage. Great. All right, color frost. Check. One, two, three. Check. Stand by, please. Test to half. Test out. Letting cues one And welcome back to a special episode of the Title Block. I am your host, Michael Cruz. On November 16th, 2015, I sat in on a new informal panel series in Toronto called The Bellows. Developed by Pip Bradford and company, The Bellows is a place for artists and performance to get together, share information, and get to know more about the production side of business. I asked Pip Bradford about the origins for The Bellows, and this is what she had to say. All right, I'm here with Pip Bradford, who is one of the organizers for tonight which, uh, of The Bellows here at uh, Theatre Pass Marai. Uh, it's an independent project of hers, and she's going to tell us why we're all here tonight. Well, The Bellows is a project that, in its conception, is about giving a space for production people in Toronto to talk about working in theatre. Um, we're really interested. We feel there's a lot of there's a lot of areas for creative people uh, to talk about more, the the more creative side of the business, the playwriting, the acting, the directing. But we don't feel like th- we, there's kind of a darkness, if you will, uh, over production work, over design, stage management, production management, technicians. Um, and so I really wanted to give them a space where we could all meet, mix, mingle, talk, gossip a little, you know. Uh, but primarily it's meant to help people make connections, help people discuss issues we feel there are in the industry, and pick up really important personal, like personal professional development and tips. That's great. And, and who's invited to this event? Is it just uh, just the new people starting out, or is it uh, like what, what kind of cross-section are you looking for? Um, hopefully this event is for everybody, and that includes people who don't even work in production. I think it's a really valuable educational resource uh, for a lot of people who don't know a lot about production. Um, we'd really love to have an excellent mix of younger people and also people... Uh, who have some uh, gravitas in the industry, who can who can give that kind of mentorship and advice that we're hoping the younger people take away from it. That's terrific. Now, tonight we're talking about uh, contracts and getting hired in the business. What are the kind of panels do you have lined up in the future? What have you thought you want to discuss? Well, the next few panels that we have lined up specifically uh, are about working with your friends and also how to work with production managers. Um, but ideally, what we'd really love to do is expand, we would love it to range from a number of really like very specific panels. I know that when we're coming up to April and March, we're looking at doing some on taxes and how to file your taxes as a freelancer um, and, as a, and also as an employee working in the arts. And uh, I, I know that we'd also like to do some that are like interview speed dating sort of setups or some that are specifically about just what kind of skills you need, what kind of licenses you should get. So it, it kind of ranges from esoteric ideas to more specific tips. That's fantastic. And what, what is the schedule? Now, you said uh, that you might be meeting every Monday just to have a mixer. When are the panels always uh, scheduled? What's the, what are the details there? Do we know? Yeah, so um, this is a little bit confusing because uh, what's happened is that TPM pretty much concurrently with The Bellows. The Bellows is an independent project from Theatre Passmerai. Uh, we approached Theatre Passmerai a number of years ago about starting this project, and it just kind of got waylaid a little bit and, like, you know, my schedule, their schedule, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then around the time that we finally decided to make this finally happen, and uh, Theatre Passmore decided to open their bar every Monday. So the Theatre Passmore bar is now open every Monday, and that's just a Theatre Passmore thing. The Bellows will be one Monday every month. Uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, The Bellows, on Facebook, uh, which is, we'll always have that. And we also have an email address, uh, thebellowstheatre at gmail, or no, sorry, thebellowstoronto at gmail.com. 
where you can send an email. Like we'll also probably be setting up an email list. We'll be setting up a lot of different ways to get the word out to people about when they'll, exactly they'll be happening. That's terrific. And does this is, is Toronto? That as far as you know, is Toronto the only place that is doing this on a regular basis, or does this occur other places in Canada that you know of? Uh, as far as I know, we're the first. Uh, I'm so excited to hear about it if other people want to do it. I would love to have a nationwide network of people talking about technical theatre. In this episode of The Bellows, the panel talks about how to get hired in theatre as production staff. From how to get your first job, get hired back after you get your big break, and how to invoice for the work and negotiate your fee. Uh, the panel, moderated by carpenter Kevin Hudson, was made up of veteran production managers Jason Galinsky, Shauna Miller, and Ray Salverda. For more information about The Bellows, contact thebellowstoronto at gmail.com. And if you like this episode and want to ensure that we keep making them, please go to patreon.com and support the title block there. Panel discussions like this one require extra equipment and time, and, and while this program will always be free, your support is necessary to make sure that we continue to bring you great content about Canadian theatre design and production. And one note about this episode, it was recorded hastily, uh, really at the last minute, and I had to use equipment at hand, like some old SM58s from TPM. One of them had a nasty buzz, and the other was picking up a local radio station, of all things. Uh, now, I've done my best to isolate the voice, and uh, especially of Ray Salverda's, uh, and I was riding the faders at the beginning to, to control the amount of noise, which meant that things got a bit jostled around. But the next one will have better equipment, and the problem should be solved then. Now, it's still important to bear with this one. It's a great discussion. And now our special presentation of The Bellows, How to Get Hired in Canadian Theatre. Yeah, the... Awesome, yeah, the theme of this month's panel is uh, getting work and getting paid. Pretty much the two most important things we can say. Not to be any more solipsistic than I already have been, um, uh, my very first job was was here in this room. Uh, I had been um, going to college with a friend of mine, Ryan McDougall, who was a year ahead of me. He later ended up being the production manager of this fine facility. Um, and uh, he knew that I had done some plumbing um, in my <laughs> previous life as a, a plumber's apprentice. Uh, the very first gig I did in Toronto theater was actually fix the toilet in the green room uh, backstage. So, um, yeah, I started from the bottom and it's pretty awesome. Um, so uh, without further ado, please, uh, Jason Galinsky is the current production manager of this yeah. fine facility. Yeah, Jason Galinsky, um, uh, production manager, technical director here. And, uh, yeah, happy that you guys are all here. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, give us um, either, uh, your first job or your favorite job. Other than, you know, present company excluded. Obviously. Okay, okay. Uh, outside of that, my favorite job, uh, probably uh, lighting design associate on Warhorse. Awesome. Um, hi, my name is uh, Shauna Miller. I am a touring technical director. I have done production management and stage management. I'm also a freelance technician in the city. Uh, I have like about three different false starts in theater. Yeah. Um, first one was on a dare in high school. We'll see how that turned out. Um, <laughs> second false start was um, being a free box office person who then uh, ended up working for the company as a stage manager. And uh, the real start in Toronto theater was with Ray Salverda <laughs> after doing a school tour to his theater 
and him getting me in trouble with my school, and then he hired me to do the dream in High Park. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ray Salverta. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Ray Salverta. I'm currently the Director of Project Services for a company called BAM Productions uh, here in the city of Toronto. Uh, previous to that, um, I've worked at Can Stage, Soul Pepper, uh, Mervish, so many different theaters. Um, nobody ever hired me more than once, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I guess uh, my first job was uh, doing uh, a show uh, at uh, the Oakville, Oakville Center for Performing Arts uh, back in 81. Uh, a couple of CBC vets decided to try a theater season and uh, it didn't go well, but it was, uh, it just about broke me. But uh, I persevered and I'm still here. Fantastic. Um, so we're going to move into how to get hired. Now, each of you are in charge of hiring people from time to time. I mean, I've done a little bit of hiring in my, you know, technician and PM days, and my PM days are mercifully short and hopefully over. Um, so what do you guys, <laughs> for everybody's sake, trust me, I'm terrible. Um, so uh, when you guys are looking for crew or... Um, subcontractors or designers or technicians, what is it that you look for in terms of a resume if you are hiring by resumes? I don't, I have hired by resume, uh, but that is not the most common way for me to hire. Mm -hmm. It's probably fairly rare. Uh, is for, the, uh, for those of you who are actually in the room can, and can see it, it's an unusual room. So having people who, are, who I know are familiar with the space, so basically it's word of mouth, is the, mo is the most common way, particularly for this room because it's an unusual space to work in. So if I know someone who has experience in a similar space or has worked with someone who knows this space and they can go and they can sort of describe it in, in, it in advance, is in addition to trying to hire people whenever I can, I also do have to keep in mind the client, whether it's our own shows or rental. So I can't, in good conscience, bring in a crew of five people who've never been in the space before for a big load-in, just because that'll exponentially take, uh, increase the amount of time it'll take to do the call here, yeah, sure. because they're, it's unusual grid here. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's much better than it used to be. Yeah, I hear that a lot. It sure is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I guess me. Um, usually when I'm... Uh, finding people is become word of mouth, and I guess if there's anything I can put forth from that is you're as good as the last gig you did, whether it's uh, call work, whether it is helping out a buddy unload a truck. Um, you never know who's in that room, and who's in that mm -hmm. room could be the production manager watching you help your friend unload that truck and yeah. be aware of other people, other artists working in the space. And that production manager will look, go, what's that person's name? I have in the past been a call person on a gig and gone up to one person and said, I need your phone number and looked at somebody else and said, don't bother. So if you take a gig, except my, my parents said, if you agreed to do something for the money, then do it. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I do actually put a lot of stock in a resume. It's, uh, I mean, word of mouth is one thing. But again, um, a well-crafted resume is really important to me, and grammar and spelling. I can't <laughs> tell you, it says the world to me about the person. That's really good to hear. If, uh, <laughs> no, it's, you know what, if you don't take the time to 
to spell check a letter, especially with how easy it is nowadays, it says a lot to me about who you are and, and your work ethic. Sure. So I look at that uh, quite extensively. And then once you come in and we meet, I quite honestly will put together teams based on personalities because so often so many resumes are, are the same. So I'm looking for the personalities that are going to gel what I think mm -hmm. is best for that team to get that job done. Awesome. Um, has always been, been the way I've approached it. Right. So presumably if you're hiring from resumes, you're hiring for a different uh, structure of worker. You're not necessarily hiring casual crew members. You might be hiring yeah, on a contract exactly. basis. I mean, so I've been looking for, uh, and now that I'm sort of removed from the Toronto theater scene a little bit, and, and I don't, you know, I don't teach anymore, I find that in the, you know, just being out of it for two and a half years, I already don't know the next generation coming up, and I find that very uh, disheartening in some ways. Right. But it means that I have to take cold resumes because. You, there's a process for what we do. Uh, we, when we hire young people now, it's like we put them out in the warehouse first, have them help us put shows together, and then if we really like their work ethic, we'll send them out to site. But because we're dealing with clients that expect a certain, we want to make sure that they're going to fit uh, the mold that will make us look good to those clients. Right. Uh, and that's very important to us. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Awesome. So. Provided you get the job and you show up at a place and you're on time, which is absolutely critical, um, how do you evaluate a person so that you may or may not call them back? Is there are there any game breakers for you? Like, I know in in this room it's going to be different than than uh, on on a corporate gig, for instance. Right. Or uh, in short, I think it can basically be put down to if you come in and get your get you you have your conversation you figure out what you're doing first you do that and then you sit down and wait <laughs> yeah that is a remarkable way for everyone else even if even if say i'm not in the in the room i'll hear about it when it comes to because i'll ask like the the interaction between the crew like ray was saying is is important we whether it's just on a lighting call or even more so in the uh kinds of gigs that ray does now but it's still important. So having, uh, so I ask, I ask Christopher or I ask David, who's the house technician in this room. And it's whenever bringing someone new and how how they do, did they do great? And I hear an honest uh, reprisal or not reprisal. It's not the right word. Uh, could be if they did poorly. Appraisal. 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 That's the word. Could be a reprisal. Yes. Uh, if I brought in someone that they did not like, I will hear about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah. So. Yeah, just that one example, if I'm going to pull a single example, yeah. just coming in, sitting down, and waiting for the work to come to you, it makes a huge difference both to the workflow of the day, to the way the team works. If once you're done your job, take a look at it, your current task, and then go find the next one. Yeah, my, my secret trick for that, I always used to find where the broom was at the top of the day. And that way, if I ever found myself without something to do, I would go with the broom and pretend to be busy. Because uh, like <laughs> yeah. I'm still like shy about learning people's names and figuring out the roles on site. So my my out was always oh I'm cleaning something I'm just waiting for somebody to tell me what to do. That's good. That I was like, my yeah. that was my yeah. good. Because the the modern equivalent the equivalent now I said modern equivalent um, is you know a lot of people don't sit down on the call but they'll figure out what your Wi-Fi password is and you'll see them pulling out their phones and being checking the email whatever and that's a huge huge problem actually. Yeah. yeah. It is a huge problem. Like, put your phone down. If you're a doctor, then 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 be on call. Yeah. But 
you're working here. Mm-hmm. Um, you have coffee breaks. Yeah. Um, people have illnesses. People have so checking, but actually, you know, surfing your Facebook mm. during actually a lighting hang. No. Yeah. No. No. Oh, I've seen. There's been a couple people lately who like I respect and admire who have taken phone calls on the top of ladders. And I was like, to, to, half of me thinks, you know, you've kind of earned that. But the other half is like, that's just ridiculous. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, also unsafe. As I'm like still keeping my phone alive because I actually have a crew working and I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's a legitimate excuse. That's, that's, yeah. that's a legitimate excuse. They were told that, so I'm going to put it there. But unless it's, you know, from the Elgin, then they're not, no one's getting through. For sure. Um, yeah, no, um, look for the next call. Um, Keep keeping busy, but also too, I get really the phrase. You know how I would do it <laughs> about the end of it for me. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, and it's uh, get that a lot. Actually, being a woman and say the whole role, it's like you know how you should have done it. Wow, that would be really great had you actually been at the very first design meeting and yeah. concept and budget. Yeah. I would love that information, but it's about five weeks too late. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it's, uh, I've never been accused of not being blunt. I mean, if somebody's, <laughs> uh, if somebody's uh, not cutting it or on a call or talking too much, I mean, yeah. I'll just tell them out right, right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, you just expect a, a certain professional standard. I For mean, sure. I like to have a, an atmosphere where people are enjoying their day. I don't like uh, an oppressive atmosphere, but at the same point, you don't Definitely. want too much. Uh, you don't want too much horseplay, uh, you know. But you you want to create that atmosphere where everybody's having fun. Uh, the constant talker, uh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, can leave at lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> the uh, the person who uh, whines about uh, the injustices of uh, of the industry and everything uh, can leave at coffee break. You know, like it's it's a work site and and I expect, you know, I mean, if I booked you for eight hours, I expect eight hours work out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't expect six hours and two hours of listening to your philosophy on on the arts. Um, so it's, uh, you know, uh, it's because, again, people are paying good money for us out there in the workforce. Um, I expect that eight hours out of people. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, without being a slave driver, but, um, you know, we've got a goal to achieve every day. Yeah. And I make sure that I let the crew know where we have to get to by the end of the day. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys find, uh, this is something that I've always had trouble with as a, a crew person is hustling for the next gig. And uh, just, I just kind of don't have that salesmanship necessarily. To try and be like, oh, hey, what are you doing in a week? You got any more going on? That's, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable actually doing that. How do you, have you, have you guys discovered any good strategies that people have approached you with in terms of, you know, like getting, getting the next gig without coming on too strong? Or I mean, maybe that's a bit of a pointed question, but <laughs> perhaps. Um, yeah. I would say that as bad as I am about doing the same sort of thing, uh, if I'm on a call, it's it's tough for me to go and say, hey, do you have anything else coming up? Yeah. But that's one of the best ways. Yeah. That's also well, as employers, do you welcome that sort of thing? Oh, yes. Yeah? Always. Really? Always. I, that doesn't mean I can say yes. And sometimes I feel bad if someone comes up and I like the way they worked and they say, do you have anything else? And I'm like, 
no check in a couple months. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes that's all there is for mm -hmm. me. Uh, is, well, and you do calls quite far in advance as well. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, earlier today, I was putting out calls to the uh, to the end of uh, January. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't have any great <laughs> tricks <laughs> yeah. for it. I'm not done getting the calls pay up. I'm not done yet. Yeah. What do you think? Do you, I mean, apart from, you know, running the risk of being the constant talker, do you welcome a bit of hustling at, at certain gigs if you've just met the person? Like, but you know what? If, uh, if you don't, uh, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. And, and so fair there's enough. only so much information that can stay in here. Yeah. Fair so uh, it's the people who stay in the forefront are the ones who, yeah. who get the jobs. And it, it can be as simple as a, as a drop in email every once in a while. Hey, Ray, anything yeah. coming up? And I appreciate that because then it brings the people to the forefront. And yeah. it's just like, oh, my God, because it's amazing how quickly things can come up. For sure. Yeah, and, yeah. and suddenly it's like, oh, who can I get to do that job? And the people who stay in touch yeah. um, are the ones who I tend to hire more. Yeah, sometimes uh, a little bit. Of so I don't, you know, yeah. hustling is not a bad thing. You have to do that. You have totally. to sell yourself. Yeah. Um, and and that's how you advance within uh, within a company. Has it has it ever gone wrong for for anybody who you maybe didn't have a good impression of and just like, hey, what are you doing I, for the next month? Has it ever well, gone wrong? Well, you? you know what? If, if I don't want to hire the person, I'll just say I have nothing for you. I'll be, right. I'll be that blunt. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know it's. Uh, uh, because there's no point in lying to the person and stringing them along. This For way sure. they can go and concentrate somewhere else. But it's, uh, you know, and some people are, are just too early on in their career for the job that I'm looking for. And Definitely. And I'll be very honest about that as well. It's like, you know, you don't have the experience yet for what I'm, I'm looking for. I think there's a stepping stone, you know, or a path that a lot of people have to follow. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know. I actually had that happen to me. I, the company that I worked for was a... Uh, young fringe company and we did a couple of shows and they were doing a larger show and they said we can't use you because you're not an equity stage manager and you don't have that skill set yet and if you actually go to school we'd love to have you come back and and it pushed me to then go back to school for oh, yeah you do have your card don't you yes I have a card yeah you do <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've forgotten um, but uh, but did go to school and yeah, yeah letting people know they just uh especially I think for Jason and Ray that size of crews change. So yeah. you, you have you everyone has their core people that they kind of deal with. And then sometimes it spreads out. And if you're not in the forefront, when that comes mm. back around, you can get lost. Yeah. And let's be honest, somebody else is going to do it. Might as well be you. Yeah, totally. No, that's true. Uh, there is, I can think of one thing that sort of helps with that. Uh, when people are doing calls, even if you can't, and you say you get an email or a text or something like that, respond to it. You just, say, just say, no, sorry, I can't. It's the ones where you, really you feel like you're talking, into, <laughs> you're talking into a void so and you don't hear that. anything back. Um, oh, and also, uh, one, because you don't know what they're thinking, if they even got it. Uh, yeah. But also, it just brings them back closer to... Uh, uh, to the top of memory, the top of mind, yeah. or if you're doing it by text, it's literally when you're scrolling down, when you're, I need one more person, oh who, grab your phone, you start scrolling down. The person who responded last, even if they said no, will show up first, is right. a bit of a trick that can sometimes help. That's good to know. So yeah, because there's definitely been times when people have been calling around and they work down the list, they find me, and I'm like, okay, I'll get back to you, and then 15 minutes later, somebody else has taken it. Just so, like, the idea of responding right away is really important. Um, I have a note here. So I uh, I don't know if it, this happens anymore, I guess. The question I'm leading up to is, uh, 
So after I fixed the toilet in the green room, um, Johnny Rook, who was the production manager here at the time, got me to fix like a sink in his house because he didn't want to do it. Um, and eventually I was at the bar here and he offered me, uh, like I said, oh, hey, you know, I do lighting calls too. And that got the ball rolling. And, you know, three drinks later, I was doing the fringe for him that, that summer. Um, is that something that happens anymore? Like, do people hire at the bar anymore? Or is that, or is that a thing of the past? I think that it, I think it can still happen yeah. anywhere. It's it's you meet someone you like their attitude or their or their uh, work ethic from what you can tell from whether it's at the bar or any or anywhere else. And it's not necessarily going to get the most accurate, oh, but sure. um, but no, I think it still happens just that's, wherever you run into them. Have you should all have a beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's really good to hear. So this event was super useful, right? <laughs> When your guard is down, that, like, it's, you know, like, yeah, it, at the bar, not necessarily having to drink, because there are people who don't, and, uh, and that's fine, but uh, being social and being professional, yes. that is a thing as well. Like, yeah. there's a lot of times being on tour, uh, I, I tour quite a bit, these two, and, you know, um, you would go out with your artists afterwards and some people would get really take advantage of that open bar. And people who can be in situations and still be professional also get noticed right. and understand what your purpose is there. So. Yeah. I mean, it's not so much the bar anymore for me, but social situations. I mean, this is why I'm here tonight. It's, I've been out of the circuit for a little while. It's nice to see who's actually still working in theater in Toronto and get to meet some people again. Um, because I always do need staff. Yeah. And it's easier now if I can, you know, attach faces and say, oh, here, I met you here, I met you there. And, and so for me, social events, I don't get out to them that often anymore because, you know, uh, you get busy and whatnot. But that's the purpose of coming mm -hmm. to them is to, you know, it used to be the bar, but uh, now with, uh, you know, the fact that I have to drive every night, uh, sort of limits yeah. that, so. That's good to know. I'm free in December, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just filled my uh, call. Well, my contract's over in May, so you know, May, May to May to July is just open for me. Um, speaking of social, so I, I'm I'm not on Facebook, which makes me a bit of a pariah and a kind of a luddite. But uh, there was a phenomenon for a while. I don't know if it still happens where people make calls on Facebook. Yeah. As a luddite, I find that repulsive. Yeah. But, um, like, even text is too casual for me. Like, when I say call, I want to be called. Is this something that you guys are with me on, or is that, am I just being a ridiculous person? I'll sir, I also am not on, on Facebook. Well, I guess technically I am, but I check it, oh, about quarterly, about right. every three months, <laughs> um, and see who else has been, said things, and I get bored and turn it off because there's too much. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, that was actually one of the questions I did want to ask everyone here. And uh, one of the things you brought up was when I took the job here, I started because I felt email was the way that everyone was doing it. But I felt that was a little bit too, um, too informal right. uh, because people were sending out a mass email to 40 people saying, here's all my calls, and then just waiting for the response. And I, as a technician taking calls, I, I felt that was a little bit too informal. Uh, so I went to texting uh, because while it's not a call, 
uh, it at least is something that you can, with any, with any ease, you can only send it to one person at a time. It's personal. Right. Or if I have a lot of them, I'll go back and still do it, still do an email. But I'll try to make sure that I it's addressed to the right person. I will make sure I'm I go through all the all the shows and all the calls on the list and make sure they're relevant rather than just sort of sending it out by shotgun. So I'm sort of in between, yeah. I think, on that. Right on. Uh, yeah, I've definitely found email at certain venues to be a bit troublesome because if there's a large call list, that means I'm not there. I'm never there. I'm never the first one to respond on that sort of thing. Right. Partially because I pay for data on my phone, so it's turned off. So when I go home, I get to check it. And that's just like having it on an email list has never worked for me, really. But, you know, I still... I. I think I've come around to that more than yeah. anything else. Yeah, and I just haven't found a really good way to track who I've asked and who I haven't. Right. I'm doing it by phone because I'm not always at my notepad where it's, yeah. have I asked this person about that call? Mm -hmm. Yes, no, they call me back later from a message. I'm like, uh, which one? It's just easier to track otherwise, yeah. which is the reason why I've gone electronic. Yeah. I don't mind um, email. I really just like Facebook. It's a social yeah, media Facebook's thing. Funny. Like you, you want to show me pictures of your vacation, that's fine. But uh, it's not a. It's not a business. Yeah. So, uh, email is fine for me. I, I find that friends. When I get a text from a friend, it's usually uh, more urgent. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Call for me, but email is fine yeah. with me. Facebook, no. Yeah, I think I've come around to email, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say in 2015. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I still like to pick up the phone and, and call people. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because the the, the thirty uh, year olds in the office where I work all tell me that they don't answer their voicemail, uh, which just uh, is. I mean, how many people here don't answer their voicemail? Really? So there's Chris. So so what is the primary form of communication for you? I'm just curious. Email. I mean, I have no problem with email, and 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 the phone. That's just it. It's you yeah. know, it's I texting is not big on my radar. But it, I find it curious that the what I thought was a very effective form of communication, the phone, uh, <laughs> is yeah. is not is not working for uh, for the the thirty year olds in my office. That's really funny. So uh, you want to, yeah. No, but right, that's why right. voicemail is there, right? Yeah, Which yeah. by the time I go to call you back, you're out of the office. So uh, I can respond right. by email at my convenience. Yeah. Um, and I understand that uh, the urgency of using a phone and the, the personal touch of using a phone is extremely helpful in a lot of situations. But I just find I am so unsuccessful at being able to call someone back at a time when I can actually reach them. That so makes sense. And, and again, I think you'll find that most production managers or, or, or whatever, um, their phone is with them 24-7. I mean, I shut my phone off or I leave it in another room at night. I mean, I gave up, you know, uh, you know I realized how stupid that was to sleep in the same room with it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if I've called you and I want to talk to you and you decide that the first time you can talk to me is 8 or 9 o'clock at night, I want to talk to you at 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Because I've called you for a reason. I want to talk to you. So right calling me uh, out of office hours, you know, is not a big deal. If it's not good for me at that time, I'll say, listen, when's a good time for me to call you back? So for me, just because I prefer that, that, that personal touch, but then going back to what you said, 
when I do start to make offers, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, welcome to my new corporate <laughs> world, I actually have a form that I have to fill out. So every time I talk to somebody, I fill it out. What's the date? What did we talk about? Did I offer you? Did I make you a concrete offer? How much did I offer you? What am I paying you per diem? What did I tell you about your hotel arrangements? So everything we talked about in that phone call, I now write it down, uh, again, because I'm getting older. Um, and this way, because sometimes I'll talk to 20 to 30 people in a day, I need to keep straight who I've talked to and what I've offered. Um, right. and, then, and then I have to, now I can go back the next time I make the phone call and do that. And it's, right. you know, a welcome to my life of forms and, uh, you know, uh, but I have to do that just to keep things straight and organized. Right on. I think forms is a good segue into invoicing. So we'll move into how to get paid. Um, okay. Because right. this is a surprisingly difficult art for a lot of people. I know it took me, I don't know, for, paperwork intimidates me a little bit. Um, so making a, a good invoice was an obsession of mine for, until I just gave up and put the first invoice that came into my brain and then sent it off and lo and behold, it got paid. So I mean, being prompt is obviously critical. I know, um, Somebody once tried to give me this preposterous excuse as to why I wouldn't be getting an invoice from them for six weeks or something like that. And I was like, well, you're just not getting paid then. You know, the company that you're working for will be shut and will never do another show again in five weeks. Yeah. So what are you talking about this six-week cycle? It's ridiculous. Um, invoicing is still pretty common, I think, when you're a freelance player. Um, I know I, I send out a lot of invoices for just one-off carp uh, carpentry work. Um, although a lot of venues have moved to sort of timesheets um, with the uh, with the goal of making you an employee. So I, I wonder if somebody on this panel could save me by going a little bit into what the difference is between a freelance person and an employee under Ontario's new thing. Well, it's not Ontario, it's federal. Okay, see, so, that would be very helpful to know, yeah. Yeah, so basically what it is, is you are considered an employee yeah. if you are taking direction from somebody else who is telling you when you start work, yeah. when you finish work, and what the job is you're doing. Right. So if you're going to freelance, technically under Revenue Canada, that means that I've hired you as a production manager and you're putting together the schedule you're doing all of that yeah. and you're working it with a certain amount of autonomy, right? right. I've hired you to uh, achieve a project. Yeah. So if you're coming in to do a lighting hang under Revenue Canada, you should be hired as an employee and you should be being, being charged, paid tax. Yeah. Exactly. You okay. you have very little say. I've, you know, I'll, you know, plug this in with my right hand now as opposed to my <laughs> left. You know, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, totally. that doesn't uh, that doesn't allow you. So you know, there's there's some very strict rules. I mean, that's just one of them. There's some some very strict criteria mm -hmm. for what makes you an employee versus. But that's the the first and foremost yeah. is are you you know. And then if you are going to be a freelance employee, then you need to be registered as a business, either with just a simple HST number or you incorporate. Right. So you need, now need to do that. And if you are going to continue freelancing, then make sure you have the proper insurances and everything else to back you up because, you know, this is becoming a more litigious world all the time. You want to make sure that, you know, you're going to take care of that and then you can just try and ask for more for your fees. Good luck. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's all it all snowballed, but yeah, yeah. I think one of the reasons that uh, a lot of the mid-sized theaters, as you pointed out, are tending more towards the employee status is because uh, there has been a history of people 
working as freelance when they're not. And one of the other things, and this is both, I guess, uh, this is less so for litigious reasons, but, uh, but that's still true. But it's when you're an employee, your employer pays into WSIB for you. Yeah. And so if you are injured, the and you are not an employee and uh, not an employee then it is very hard to get any sort of uh sort of assistance uh out of it without going a litigious route um yeah so that's just a, that's just a really big one it's one of the reasons why tpm went that way was so that everyone who works in the space heaven forfend if they get injured there is a clear paper trail so that they're not fighting to get WSIB to get any to get any health assistance if someone is injured, right that's the, and I think a number of the spaces are going that way, primarily for that reason as well as just to help protect the freelancers out there who are who might not be in, uh, supported if they're injured. Right so I, I mean, for also um, other companies I've known, like Buddies, now if, even if you're a rental company renting that space all workers go on their timesheets to make sure that, again, that company that's going to close in five weeks, yeah. mm -hmm. the, those individual workers get paid. Yeah, for sure. And then they, they being larger, can go after to make sure that yeah. those funds actually move along. Yeah, I, I don't remember who precisely, but there was a brief moment of resistance for people to be like, no, I want to do my own invoicing and blah, 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 which doesn't make any, a lot of, a lot of it's, sense, really. It's, you know, it's there for their protection. Yeah, their employees, and it's there for the protection of the theater company as well, because yeah. it hasn't happened recently, but it has happened years ago where Revenue Canada went after uh, certain companies because people weren't claiming it on their taxes. Right. And so they would go back through all these invoices and say, okay, well, there's all this, and now you owe us this much. And so it's a, a huge burden on mm -hmm. the companies as well, uh, because if you don't pay the taxes as an individual and the government can't find you or collect from you, the company has to pay that tax huh. burden, and that's that, you know it's not fair to the companies that you're working for. Yeah, you're right. So it's a you know it's a combination of both, but it's a, it really is a great protection for yeah. for uh, especially those of you who can't afford to carry uh, you know yeah, uh, disability insurance. insurance whatever, you know? Like yeah. that's twenty five hundred bucks a year. Yeah, um, you know, nothing. and when you're starting out, it's you know that's a lot of money to pay for something that you know when you're twenty one yeah. and indestructible, yeah. uh, you might yeah, not need. So yeah, that was actually one of the re <laughs> this is embarrassing, but that was how a company I worked for very briefly, I was not qualified for the record, uh, got rid of me. They said, look, we can't actually continue to employ you unless you bring your own insurance to the table. And I was like, well, I can't afford that. And they said, okay, see you later. And that was their kind of sly, kind of cutting, kind of evil way of just letting me go because I was not good enough to do that job. And fair, fair enough. Um, so we mentioned uh, contract work, um, and that's that's uh, been the bane of my existence between full-time gigs, um, because I I have a lot of difficult negotiating a contract for myself. It usually ends up that I I hear about you know a PM gig or uh, whatever gig uh, through friends or whatever. I get in touch and they say, great, we have this much money, which is fair enough. Um, but how do you? I, I'm no good at hustling. I'm no good at haggling. How do you? Make sure you don't get taken advantage of on a contract that you really, you know, I need this money, but I think I'm worth a lot more. I think, you, like, quite honestly, if you're, if you're going into a project, yeah. you look at what other people in the project are making. 
you know, I mean, Sean and I were talking about this uh, just a little earlier, and you know, we were talking about pay weight. And quite honestly, uh, the way I set my rate uh, back when I was freelancing was I would not make less than the head carpenter. Right. So when I'm going into an IATSE space, if he's making that much an hour, I'm making that much an hour. Benefits in. You know what I mean? It's like because I'm not worth any less. So you have to, I think you just evaluate what everybody else is making on the yeah. project. If everybody else on the project is making 300 bucks a week, then you're worth 300 bucks a week. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's what can the project afford and you price yourself. If you really want to do the project, you price yourself so that it's it's fair to the project. Yeah. Um, if and, and what I used to tell my students, if you don't know, if you don't ask for it in a negotiation, oh, yeah, you're, you're not, not going to get you're it. Not get it. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, and there's nothing wrong with asking for it. And, and, and especially because like with me, it's a casual uh, uh, conversation. But I try to offer the best that I can offer the person right up front, you know, but that's just my it's, it's just the way because I've I've starved uh, like everybody else. So I try to give the best offer right off the top. John, you were. Yeah. Uh, there's a phrase that I have heard in the industry by some people, uh, and the phrase is "work to your fee." Oh, uh, and that's where you don't get hired again. Yeah, like quite honestly, if you—that's what we were saying earlier. If if that's that's bringing an attitude into the workspace, it's just right. like, oh, you know, you're not paying me enough. Well, guess what? I'm not paying you at all now. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a door. It's, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like work to your fee is. Um, yeah. I was going to, I was going to bring up something like that because the, the trick I've used in the, in the past is, okay, well, I, you know, you're offering me this much for this week of work. I expect it will take me this many hours. Yeah. I expect it to make this much an hour. And that's part of the negotiation. Yeah, I, I will for this much money. So I will not, give you this many hours. So I guess to expand on what you're saying, you're not working to the you're working to the agreement right. in that case, as opposed to working to the fee. I mean, if your job, if your fee is to get the job done, and there's been no discussion about hours or whatnot, then you it you can't have that yet. negative. But if you said, okay, I can give you 48 hours. For this much money yeah and but now the next part of that negotiation needs to be and for every hour over this you will pay me <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. but i'm serious if you do not ask for it people yeah, will not give it. it yeah you know you have to set those parameters and i like to be fair especially production managing i yeah. will put a clause in for it's a certain amount of hours and any time over that is a certain amount of hours um especially and i also do bulk hours separately depending like pre-production is this many hours tech week i know i need to be there till the end of it yeah and yeah. i'm going to be there i'm not expected to be paid by hour, especially in smaller theater companies oh, yeah. like tech week we just get it done yeah but the uh we need to have a meeting every three days or you can put things in line and that a way of curbing that for me is hours over that and they start going oh maybe i'll just make a list of all the things i need to check yeah. and wait for the production meeting yeah for sure yeah i mean because i i've definitely given that sort of you know they have x amount of money and then i know there's a tech week in there which okay i'm yours for the tech week that's kind of how this works um but then i need to downgrade my hours beforehand which means we need to improve our communication straight up front so that nobody's lost on anything and that's on you as well yeah you need oh, to also make sure that all answers all questions are answered. You're yeah. looking at all corners and you're listening to everybody. Mm -hmm. But that will go off to another conversation that I can go on about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's a couple questions. Back yeah, there. shoot. Yeah. I was just thinking from, uh, like from a worker's perspective, when you're looking for that work and if you're looking 
they're the company is trying to haggle you down and haggle you down on what you think you're worth. You have the right to not work for that company. And oh, of so course. You're yeah. Like, well, no, that's not quite what we're going to agree upon. So that you don't put yourself in the scenario where you're going in bitter and going in working for less and that sort of thing. So, and that might just reflect on a whole other attitude of the company that you don't want to be a part of. So that's a fantastic point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of a link between what you're talking about and what John mentioned. Yeah. Because I think that uh, there are times when you have no work and it's like, I have to take this gig and they're, they're bartering me down and down and down and down. And then that's where I think you run into the risk of people uh, choosing to work to the fee that they agreed to. Yeah. But that is not good for getting rehired. That is not, <laughs> that is not good for, uh, I think, the attitude and the environment in the room and also... For yourself as you move move forward as a professional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I've definitely been intimidated by uh, by people, general managers who are good at haggling. But I feel like the reverse is true. If you're very assertive with your time and your needs, then you can come out looking like a super pro and are actually probably more likely to get what you want if you're if you're able to communicate those demands up yeah. front because it actually does protect everybody yeah. to say that no, I'm I'm working for this much because that's that's what I work for. It actually does yeah. protect everybody, I think. And you only get better yeah. doing it. Yeah, for sure. Like it's every, every negotiation, you know, it's just like, you know, when you first start out, you yeah. go to as many job interviews as you can. You don't, yeah, maybe exactly. don't want yeah. all those jobs, uh, you know, yeah. but it teaches you how to get better at it. And yeah. learning how to negotiate, you only get better at it by doing it and, yeah. and knowing what you want in advance and doing your research and all that other stuff that goes along with it. But, yeah. you know, you should never be intimidated to ask for it. Totally. You know? And it doesn't have to be aggressive in your ass. Yeah. You know, it's not like a sit down or I walk. It's, you know, this is what I would like. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah. you know, again, it's uh, because quite often I don't think to give people raises. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when they come up and they talk to me about it, then I sit down and we do a performance review and we look at it and, and uh, you know, uh, give raises where, where necessary. For sure. So. That's a hard skill to learn, like uh, interviewing and and yeah. negotiation. I I kind of got lucky and got a really good gig without having to really really hustle. As a result, my interview skills. I mean, I'm still a little bit sketchy in an interview. I've been doing this for a while now, um, but it took me probably five years to actually be confident in an interview, and probably seven to actually be confident in negotiating a contract. Like it's it's really difficult. I've been way better in the last little while. Yeah. Been, as you, yeah. <laughs> For um, sure. But as you also get a better grasp of what you're you're going to bring to a project, yeah, um, you become a lot better in that interview. So true. So because true. you'll understand this is going to take me this many hours. I'm going to put this much time into it. This is the things that we need to do, and you can have that conversation because everyone's there to make sure that their part of this project works. And part of that is them also not going bankrupt yeah. either. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, dealing with that. Awesome. Um, uh, we had a question there yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, so you said earlier that uh, you'd expect to get paid as much as the head carpenter on that was, that was a That was a choice I made. And if you didn't want to pay me that, I wouldn't take the job. How do you know how much the head carpenter is getting made? As someone who's really uncomfortable talking about money with his colleagues, Right. The research can well, be hard. It's true. But, it's, you know, for me, it was in IATSE spaces. So it's really easy because those guys love to talk. 
It's like, how much you make? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that the average uh, uh, rate of benefits in Toronto is anywhere between 35 and 43% over and above their hourly wage. So you go, okay, so they're making this much an hour. That's great. And then after eight hours in a day, they're making time and a half. So you want me to be in a theater 12 hours a day, six days a week, uh, you know, uh, this is what you're going to pay me. And, you know, because if he's making this much a week, why shouldn't I? Because at the end of the day, it's my responsibility. Yeah. You know, so that was just the, the, the role I took. And so not everybody's willing to pay that. That's life, you know, and I don't work for them. <laughs> um, Ray, can you just clarify, what's the job that you're walking into the room? Uh, like as a production manager. As a production manager. As a production yeah. manager. You know, because that's, that's who you're going to, you're either going to get hired as a production manager yeah. or a technical director in yeah. a union space. So, you know, at, at Can Stage, where it's a long-term contract, yeah. you're not going to get that. But as a freelancer, you know, that was just, that was a dollar figure that I used. That's great. You know, and it's just, uh, yeah. and like I said, it's just, you set your standard. What are you willing to work for? And again, while I'm making, you know, this stupid money that, that I considered it, you know, I would also do other things for two or 300 bucks, you know, or I would donate my time for something yeah. just because it's a choice I make. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like that leads on really well. I have a question here. Like, what do you, how do you manage working for friends? Because I know when you start out, and I, I still do work for people and charge them far less than I should, just because I, I love what they do and who they are. So, like, how do you balance that between, between you know, still valuing your time at what it's worth and, you know, valuing your relationship, trade I guess? Com- trade and commerce, my friend. Right, also, right, too, in right. karma's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, because what you put out there is what you get back. There yeah. have been a number of us probably on this panel that have all done the holy fuck phone call from a friend and like, oh, I'm putting on my steel toes at 10 o'clock and I'll meet you at the truck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. when you do that or when you take a gig that's slightly smaller for a friend or family, yeah. I, you pocket it. Sometimes it comes back, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But for me... Yeah, a lot enough. of favors out there that I owe and a lot of favors that are owed to me. Yeah. I think for some of the people who are afraid to work for, uh, work for friends or nervous about it, um, that conversation that can be so hard of, but just be blunt enough to go, what's, what's the deal? What am I, are you expecting me to volunteer my time? If yes, and I agree, great. If no, too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are you trying to do uh, just have have the conversation is at that point even if it gets a couple of uh, feathers up uh, then that's all it does if you go through an expectation of what you thought you were going to get versus what you do get on either end as uh, as the friend who's hiring someone else or the one being hired once you get to that point at the end then the stakes are a lot higher and you can lose friends over that which is always unfortunate yeah, well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as, uh, as a student, I often find that um, there are, uh, you know, people often say, like, you get out there, volunteer for different companies mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Where would you say the line is between um, who you, what you should volunteer for and what you should ask to be paid for uh, when you're just starting out in your career? That's a great question. Yeah. Can I, uh, well, here's my, my thing. If you're working in the industry, I don't think anybody should volunteer. I think you should be paid. Uh, I don't believe in internships. I don't believe in people doing things for free. 
I, I mean, you're going to school, you're paying money at school to learn the basic skill sets. So I think it's important that when you come out into the workforce, I don't care if you're even getting paid minimum wage, but I, I don't believe in free labor. Um, I believe if you don't have the money to do the project, then, then you shouldn't. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, there are always going to be projects and fringe projects and things like that where you're doing for love, and that's great. But somebody shouldn't be encouraging you from school to go out and volunteer your time, you know, unless it's a, uh, a student-driven project or something like that. But if you're going to work in a professional company, you should be getting paid. Yeah. That's my own personal opinion. I've never, uh, I've never enjoyed working with volunteers because uh, I can't fire volunteers. Um, you know, it's, uh, but it's, but it's, it's true, right? If, if I'm paying you, uh, then I can tell you the level of work I expect from you. And a couple of times in my life where I've had to have volunteers, I, I've not been a fan of it. You know, it's, I, that's just a personal opinion. I don't know. I, I mean, other people in different theater situations might have different opinions, but. I think I agree with that. It's not always, it's not always that easy to see when you're a student or when you're first starting out. Um, and I think one of the things that I had to learn the hard way, because I did a lot of volunteer and both with friends and on other shows when I started, was it gets to be a little bit too easy to undervalue your own work if you're volunteering all the time. So if the situation is such that you, that you have to or you feel, ha feel you have to, it sort of ties back into if you have to take a gig for less than you think you should. At the very least, be honest with the person who is, who is engaging you for this to if it's, an, if it's an invoice for a gig. Say, I'm doing it for $300 and I'm giving you a discount of 800 off my usual <laughs> fee for this or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But um, just so that the value is clear. Um, even if some of it is gifted or isn't gifted. Uh, and the same sort of thing. If you, if you feel like you have to, have to volunteer, I agree. Um, volunteering for an established, for a professional theater, I don't, think should be, I don't think should be done either. For friends, for love, for other projects, your own projects, that, that gets up to you. Um, but always be clear about what the value of what you're doing is. Is I know for a number of years I really sort of undervalued and under quoted, under haggled myself from where I should have been. Yeah. And people were like, oh, that's all you want? Sure. <laughs> because I was so used to working at, uh, at free or low rates. So just something to, follow, to keep an eye on. One time of like, you know, working to the fee. The, the question comes down to also to what they're expecting. If they're expecting a professional um, service, that should be treated professionally. Yeah. yeah. Point on that, would you have a volunteer plumber? Would yeah. I? Right? Yeah, no, you wouldn't. No. You would never have a plumber come to your house and fix your Yeah. <laughs> totally true. Yeah. Except yeah. looking for the experience. Yeah. I know a volunteer surgeon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the trouble with, with volunteering when, when there's money involved elsewhere is if somebody's getting paid, why aren't you? That's, that's really a, a tough one to, to stomach. Even if it's a fringe show and you're working for a percentage of a share and blah, 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 blah. If it's something and it's something similar to what everybody else is getting paid, then you're, you're more in the realm of uh, acceptability. I, I don't really know how to phrase this, but it's, it's, it's a dangerous path to go down because you start devaluing your work. And, and 
by supplying free labor, why would they ever pay anybody, right? So it's, you're devaluing a lot of people's work by, by working for free or working for a pittance. Um, Can I offer us a, 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 yeah. just a note? Uh, since I've been interviewing a bunch of uh, designers from way back when, even before race time, I know, I know, it's a long time ago. Uh, back in the 70s, this is how you got hired. So you'd show up at a theater, they go, who's this kid? And they go, I don't know, this is some kid. Okay, go hang some lights. And then by the end of the week, you're all of a sudden working as an electrician. And I think that the people teaching at the university level mm. who are in senior positions still have this notion about how you're supposed to get hired. And I think it's a myth that's left over from the period in time when there were when there was a deficit of technicians, and they would just take anybody mm. off the street because there was a job for you. And now that we're training so many people, and there's so many people coming out of, of programs, it's not the same marketplace. Yeah, you have to show your value, and they get to pick and choose. And so I think that that is a probably an unfortunate myth that's being spread by people who are not connected to the industry directly. Yeah. Hmm. I'd say there's... Yeah, it's, a, it's actually, it's tough to, to value your work properly and to get paid and to get that work, but it's, it's almost more important to get hired the second time than it is the first, because there is a, there's an enormous supply of labor out there at the moment, I think. We're just aiming at digging them all up. Um, but, you know, every year more people graduate from Ryerson, and they're all terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. I didn't. I didn't even go to university. Like but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. There's. It's. 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 Uh, I feel like just like we're talking about haggling. Like if you go in hot, and you're just like, yeah, this is what I'm worth. I can give you all these things. It's much more impressive than showing up and working for free. I think. Yeah. They want you to be a head of props usually as well and yeah, do all the running around and all the, yeah, yeah. Everybody thinks they can do it. It's tough, and I gotta say that I still think in all of Canadian theater, probably set and costume designers are the most undervalued people in in the country. Yeah. Like when I just look at the pay scales of everybody else, uh, why anybody would want to be a designer in this country is beyond me. Uh, Absolutely. Bless you for. No, no. But it's just <laughs> I think I think we so undervalue the work that uh, set and costume yeah. designers put in, and and I think uh, lighting and video designers are paid fair. But uh, you know, set and costume way yeah. undervalued. <laughs> yeah, as a, yeah. Well, Cameron Davis well you know what? I, I'm not saying that they couldn't get a, a pay increase, but when you look at it all in, scale, in uh, yeah. you know, I mean, really, designers could all be uh, get double the fee for the amount of hours they put into. Definitely. But then, set and costume designers 
should be even higher because I've worked with designers who have been on shows for six months and I look at the fee we pay them and I just go, oh my God, why in the hell are you doing this? Yeah. Um, and, and I look at lighting designers who have to do 18 shows a year to be able yeah. to pay their mortgage. Uh, you know, it's, it's how much can they put into that show when they're doing that? So, you know, without meaning to sidetrack this, no, uh, well, you know, I tip yeah, my I hat mean, to anybody who absolutely. chooses to be a designer in this country. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say uh, as a head carpenter, a good set designer is absolutely worth my weight in gold. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. spectacular. The difference they will make to a show, getting clear and concise information and decisions on time is is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Designers. So we're going to end up overtaking them. We'll eventually get the cred because we do the construction drawings. Yeah. Already. And it's, it's a weird thing, right? But a lot now. of them started that way, too. They had to paint yeah. their own sets. Yeah. yeah. People I've run into do, don't do drawings. That's, well, that's yeah. incorrect. That is, that is yeah, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> if you want it, you need to draw it. Preferably electronically because it's 2015. But anyway, that's a, that's a totally <laughs> other topic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a totally different Bellows topic. We'll, we'll get there. Um, in the interests of, uh, of bringing this to a conclusion briefly, uh, let's, let's focus in on uh, hiring assistants. I don't know if you guys ever do it, if you have the money to do it, but in terms of, and this is important for the designers in the room especially, and people looking to get their break, and it, I think it also ties into to what fee you work for, but how do you guys find or treat assistants? Uh, just to be clear, are, you're talking about like PMTD assistance as well as design assistance, or Any, where, anything where, you can offer. Anything, yeah. okay. Because you you presumably have hired and had both, and probably been both. I've been both. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always uh, uh, there's a saying for it. I can't remember, but um, the um, I almost never have a chance to hire an assistant here. It's a crying shame. It really is. Uh, as I have happily. Um, because uh, we're doing a show now that tours with relative frequency, so uh, Life, Death, and the Blues, so that what we do is I will go, I will go out with the show as the associate uh, lighting designer and the tour manager yeah. uh, and uh, PMTD, all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, 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 and um, so there is someone who is here, Rebecca, who I try to hire to come in to be me while I'm gone. Yeah. Um, it's not really the same as as assisting. Right. Is the, the is the yeah. the uh, expectations are so much higher. So obviously. Totally, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I think I've had one assistant stage manager here in my three years. Two. Right. Well, how do you go about finding that person, the right person to to really help your process? Uh, one came with the stage manager. Right. And uh, one. Came with a friend's came with a resume and then a friend's recommendation. I, for me, I've had to um, taking a lot of projects. I've had to in the last little while um, give off part of a tour, and it is uh, depending on the company as well. Yeah. Like looking at that person and seeing how they can mesh with the rest of the artistic company. Um, are are they going to be me or better than me? Right. So it's because a personality thing? or It's a personality like thing a and a work ethic thing. I yeah. actually prefer working with people who are way smarter than me. <laughs> yeah. Even as the production manager, it makes yeah. my life so much totally. easier. Um, but I have sent somebody out who 
I feel is a higher points, higher skill sets than myself because that company has trusted me to finish this project to the end. And if I can't be there and hiring an assistant out there, yeah. it's my responsibility to make sure that, that project still goes out to my standard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the go on. Go on. But I feel strongly about it. Yeah. I, I find hiring an assistant really hard. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, because I, to, to hire a true assistant, like I've hired lots of people uh, to, to work with me as part of a team and, and that's easy, but to have an assistant is, is really tough because how much am I willing to give up? Uh, you know what I mean? And a couple of times yeah. I've had assistants, um, you, you know, every, if they make a wrong decision, it comes back on me. So, it's, uh, uh, you know, I have hired assistants a couple of times, uh, and, and it's because it's people I know and trust. Uh, right. Shauna Miller. I, I mean, she's helped me out on on large projects uh, off and on over the years, you know, because I know I can trust her. I can give her the information, yeah. and I know that she's not going to, you know, um, suddenly go, ah, oh, you know what, let's spend 100000 on this. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, from the people you work with, yeah. It's knowing somebody you trust. And I mean, as you right as you sort of I mean, because we've known each other for a few oh. years, uh, <laughs> you know, so we've we just known to learn uh, to trust each other and, and whatnot. And it makes yeah. it makes life really easy, you know. Fair enough. Um, so maybe we'll have to have you back for the designer focused panel like, to get the assistant again. talk. And as the assistant of. The reason I feel that you would hire me again would be that I'm working under your name. Yeah. Like, I cannot trash your name. That is my responsibility as your assistant. Yeah. Yeah. And from there, that's how my um, reputation grows. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's tough to hire, like, an assistant and, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's a training position, it's easy. You know, yeah. you look for somebody who you think has the skills and you bring them along. But, you know, how much, how much responsibility do you give them? You know, yeah. I mean, you run away for two weeks on holidays and, uh, trust that that person's going to have everything uh, running smooth when you get back. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about a little more about skills, and then we'll get to the final question, which I think is kind of fun. Um, are there skills or attitudes that you value more than others? Like, I know there's a difference between sort of hard tech skills and sort of softer personality skills. Um, my terminology between hard and soft is obviously false, but uh, like the, you know, people talk about the right attitude. People talk about work ethic. Um, people talk about just the ability to learn on your feet, that sort of thing. Is there is there one or two things you look for above anything beyond they really know their DMX or they, you know, or really know how to run a microphone? I love problem solvers. Yeah, I love I love people who can uh, think outside the box. It's uh, you know because there's never one way to solve a problem. For sure. Um, so I love people who fun. I can sit and you know. Uh, you know, if I was the smartest guy in the world and didn't need any help, I'd be making a lot more money than I am now. Uh, so, I mean, I rely on the people around me. And so I love problem solvers who I can right. sit and brainstorm with and, and come up with the right answers. Fantastic. Yeah, an interesting mix between problem solving and consistency, I guess. Oh, yeah. In that... If I know someone and I'm hiring them in to uh, be an assistant for myself or anything else, uh, if they are, if they show a consistency in enough things that, and I know I'm, it's, it's 
it's sort of hard to put into words. But basically, so I can have a sense of if I bring you in on a gig and something happens, I will have a sense of how you'll respond to right. it, which ties into the into Ray's thing about uh, uh, thinking outside the box, about thinking clearly uh, and problem solving. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's just sort, sort of a sense of consistency rather than moments of brilliance. Moments right, of, right, right. of brilliance have are wonderful, yeah. but they're hard to rely on. Fair enough, yeah. With the problem solving as well, and um, again, for me, the again working with you're not going in this alone. Like anybody who is, you're, you're yeah, yeah, a team player. Yeah. I, I have a lot of I work with a lot of small companies that they're putting their house on mortgage. Yeah, even that's so true. Your wife is working for somebody who puts his house on mortgage and is yeah. world known. Like yeah. played the Sydney Opera so House true. and and uh, still putting it. So if you aren't there to be part of the entire process with everybody else who's also working maybe more hours, just, you know, mistakes are higher for other doing people a, too, the, yeah. yeah. If you think the wig maker is not working as many hours as you, then I, I don't need you. <laughs> That's awesome. I would really love to end there, but I have one last question. <laughs> it's two parter. Have any of you ever backed out of a contract and, Without, without naming names necessarily, have any of you ever backed up a contract? And is there anybody you won't work for anymore? <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Stories are appreciated. Names, eh, you know. I wouldn't say no to names. Absolutely. Is there anybody we shouldn't work for anymore? Is there anybody that I shouldn't work hey, for? Hey, turn off the recorder. Well, i got to get this for Presbyterian. Yeah. Um, are there any shows I've backed out of? Because um, sometimes it happens. Like mm -hmm. some, sometimes you'll have a contract six months in advance. The dates suddenly change, and yeah. you're just not available. Yeah, that 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 one I've definitely done a couple yeah. of times. It's like we've talked about doing talked about doing something, and then something changes. Oh, I, I got a tour at one point at one point, and had to turn down a couple of weeks yeah. of work. And I just tried to make sure I did it as soon as I could. Mm -hmm. uh, to give them as much warning as possible, and they were very amenable to it. I don't know if they're happy about it, but they were right. fine with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because those things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes and yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, one was a tour that would have been three stops. It was the first time working with the company, and so I actually did a contract that was just for the first stop. Yeah. You never know if we're going to mesh. Yeah. And sure. when they tried to send me a contract for the... Second one, I sent them a letter explaining why that wasn't going to happen again. For sure. Um, yeah. So uh, I explained why I wasn't coming back. Yeah. Wished them well. Mm -hmm. Sent every single stitch of paperwork that I could to leave it on, like, I didn't leave them in the lurch. Uh, professionalism, yeah. Um, but it, that hmm. was it. And, yeah. yeah. I've left uh, a couple of contracts early which to me was always like a big taboo, but uh, quite honestly, um, uh, working for companies that don't support you, yeah. it's just like, uh, you know what, it's, uh, it's, it's not worth the grief in my life. Right. Uh, and so I've, you know, uh, as, especially when they start to blame the technical side for other problems. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it, you know, and, and so that list of people I'll never work with, unfortunately, has is, is gotten longer, hmm. uh, the longer I've been in this business. Uh, you know, I mean, it started with the very first job, company I worked for. You know, the, it was uh, the, the the abuse was unbelievable. 
right. uh, to, to those of us on staff. And uh, I was ready to get out of the business. And my instructor at college at the time said, well, Ray, you've worked for the worst. He said, uh, now, he said, it's your job to go out and make the industry better. Uh, <laughs> and, and like, quite honestly, it was just, uh, you know, Amazing. verbal abuse, the hour of abuse, everything like that. It was just, it was just an awful, uh, awful situation. And, uh, you, you know, it's, I've always vowed that I would never get myself in another situation like that. And whenever I've seen even the beginnings of the sign of it, I've, I've left. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that goes to the way boards of directors have treated people. Mm-hmm. You know, I walked away from Can Stage years ago because the board of directors came in and started to undermine the artistic director at the time. And I just thought, I, I can't live through that again. Right. I lived through it in Blythe. Uh, you know, so there's just some things that it's just not worth it. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I handed in my resignation as soon as <laughs> I saw the board was doing that. You know, you, you set your values, what, you, what you're willing to put up with in this industry. Yeah. Um, Great. I loved every single second of that. Thank you guys so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you all learned something. was our special presentation of The Bellows, How to Get Hired in Canadian Theatre. Thanks for sticking through that one. The music for this podcast is by Vern Good with voiceover by Gabriel Copley. Please go to iTunes and give us a review. It'll help get the word out about this podcast and share the history of theatre design in Canada. And you can follow us on Twitter at the title block CA, especially if you want to follow us, uh, if you want to catch the Periscope episodes that we're, we're uh, broadcasting live, and on facebook.com forward slash the title block podcast. You can send comments and requests by email to the title block at gmail.com. And don't forget that if you like the show, please support us on patreon.com. I'm Michael Cruz, and I'll see you next time on the title block.